You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the Midside, where we always bring a weapon across state lines, our minds. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. And that includes the opening to the line, the opening line of this episode that I just said. So before you get all upset about that, shut up. And you know what? I'm probably going to say a lot of other things you don't like about that topic this episode and William Moore probably will too so uh, why don't we bring him in joining me this trip from Dale's lawn identifying as a wo- woman to forgo his white male gay privilege William Green never be a beta just never ever do it it is death welcome welcome uh it's uh weird to be recording on a Monday uh afternoon slash evening but uh glad to be here we had to you know, rearrange all our schedules. Uh, I had a friend in town, and uh, you were busy with the uh, wrestling. I think probably right. And, yeah, that's uh, what happens. We're entering wrestling season, <laughs> so this is what happens during wrestling season. Uh, but uh, we had our last uh, kickball game, and uh, I had my store donate food for the uh, for the uh, uh, like final season MVP awards, uh, and so it was cool. Uh, got to hang out with. Did a bunch you of get people. the MVP award? I did not. No, no. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, all the teams hand out their MVP for the season at that, at that, uh, at that event. So it was, it was just fun. So, uh, yeah, I, I have my Sundays free for a little while. No more, no more kickfall for a little while. Um, and yeah, we, my, sh- we, we, we should be okay going forward recording. Schedule wise. <laughs> yeah. So nobody flip out that you're getting this late on a Monday night. Nobody it just flip means out it's going to be fresh, hot and fresh. Hot yeah. and fresh, yeah. hot and fresh, or or old because we're talking about last week's topics. <laughs> That's true. All right, let's get on to it in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. Those of you who support us through Patreon, I I got the episode up finally. But for some reason, Patreon this week would not take the episode link for the inflation episode. So I had to do it as a text post. That's why it took a while. But, you know, they... The money's still good. The money never has a problem coming through because no one ever has a problem with the money. You ever notice that, William? People have a problem with products, but they never have a problem with the money. You ever notice that? I I definitely have noticed that. Yeah. Sometimes the the card thing won't work, and they're like, well, do you have cash? It's like, oh, okay, so you've made this less convenient for me, but you still want my money. But when we're talking about uh, convenience and shopping... Uh, there was one story I saw this week that really jumped out to me as a, uh, a Funko collector. And I think collectors of all kind can all kinds can identify with this. And I'm curious as to your your thoughts on it, William. So there's a Wall Street Journal article. It's called Desperate Parents Turn to Shopping Bots to Hunt for Christmas Gifts. Now, the exact wording of the article doesn't matter as much. What matters is this trend that exists in our society now that Things that people think might be popular sell out very quickly because there is an entire culture of people with these bots, which you can automatically search websites for and automatically purchase them. And what happens is, you know, whenever there's a collectible, it sells out almost instantaneously because these flippers, as they're called, people who buy them and resell them at a higher price, will buy them all out on basically speculation. They're speculating that it that they will grow in price and they'll make a profit off of it. And it's all, it's like really poor man's trading and investing. Basically it's really poor man's trading and investing. It's like the incel version of trading and investing, right? 
Yeah, it's uh, arbitrage on a global supply chain scale. <laughs> exactly. Now, this has gotten even more complicated because the inevitable happened, William. If you have something that's that simple, it is inevitably going to get into the hands of the suburban soccer mom. So now the suburban soccer mom has started using bots, which I this is another thing where I go, is this where we want our culture to go? I mean, because to me and tell me what you think, William, I think part of the fun and this was part of the fun when I was, you know, buying more Funkos. I don't buy as much anymore. Right. I just buy specific ones to complete specific lines. Like I want to make sure I have all the Zack Snyder ones, right? all the ones that are made from Zack Snyder movies. I want to make sure I have those. So now I'll buy more online. But to me, part of the fun is going to different stores and going to different websites and seeing all the different things that exist and that are in stock and all the products that are made. And then being aware that I'm choosing among those to use the one or get the one that I want. It, it, it just seems everything's becoming more and more mechanical. And we're taking the humanity out of it by all shopping is now bots. What do you think of that, William? I, for one, welcome our new robotic overlords. Uh, I hate shopping. So uh, if I could just, uh, you know, back, I, I, I think Amazon tried this. It didn't really work. Uh, they experimented with giving you uh, a scanner, like one of those IR scanners, like UPC code st- scanners. And so you could just scan shit in your house as you were throwing it away to order new new versions of that shit uh, on Amazon. I, I, they don't I would, still I have that, that, the buttons? Like when you run yeah, out of laundry buttons, detergent, Yeah, this was before the, button. the buttons, but yeah. yeah oh. the, the buttons are usually product-specific, right? Like you have a Tide yeah. button or something. Yeah. Um, but no, no, this was, uh, this was like literally scan it as you're throwing it away. Uh, but I guess I can, I can kind of see your point about the, you know, taking out the, the experience of shopping, right? It, it definitely takes that out if everything can be uh, purchased with the bot that way. Uh, but no, I, I don't, I don't get a, a lot of joy, uh, going to the store. I have to, I have to like force myself to try on clothes so I can buy new clothes. Otherwise I'd probably be wearing the same shit I bought in college. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know why you need to try on clothes. Like, haven't you reached a size and you just stay the same size? Like, are you, <laughs> are you constantly changing size in adulthood? Like, I have do you have gotten smaller. You I've gotten are you smaller the incredible every Hulk? year. I've gotten smaller every year. If I continue oh, this trend, okay. uh, uh, I'll be, I'll have six pack abs by the time I'm 80. There you go. There you go. That's a goal. That's a goal <laughs> for 80 years old. <laughs> Uh, no, I, dude, I agree with you about like the common things, right? Like I used to subscribe to that Chewy when I had two cats because it was, you know, you know, just send me a couple of, of litter pails every two months and that'll get me through the two month period. Right. With two cats. So yeah. And the, and the food. So I get with the common stuff like that, but yeah, when I go out to, when I want clothes, like I'll go to like a bunch of different band websites to see if they have any good shirts or there are, there are different companies that make shirts that I'll go to their websites to see what their new stuff is. Cause to me, experiencing the new is part of the value of the shopping experience. And it's, I don't know. I, I also just find it funny that the suburban moms have started using bots. Yeah. Which well, I mean, what it, does that say about our society? It, it's, you know, the, a lot of shopping websites have anti bot, like sort of like, yeah. things that they try to do. So this is just a cat and mouse game. Like as yeah. the, uh, as the bots get more advanced, uh, people will try to stop this from happening. Um, I mean, well, and that's there that's is what a, I'm saying about there the is an economic man. answer, right? Is just like have it be bid, right? Like right. run it as an auction or raise your prices. Yeah. Like it's 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 insane to me. I've always wondered this about Funko, right? So Funko is selling something at fifteen dollars that this sells in the aftermarket for eighty. Why is Funko leaving that profit on the that profit margin on the on the table? Why are they not taking it themselves? Because marketing-wise, they don't want to seem like they're pricing out the average consumer? Yeah. Uh, it's very interesting to me. But if we're talking about things suburban moms do, we have to talk about something else that was really a, a huge story. I use the, the term ironically over the last week. Uh, Adele has reemerged into the public, William. Adele, if you remember, had the huge, huge song, uh, well, uh, rolling in the deep. I can't remember. Rolling in the deep. That was it. Yeah. I was gonna say rolling on the river, but that's like the that's slave song. Yeah, that, that's and, a and long I was time like, 
I was like, don't say that, Justin. You're going to get canceled for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling in the Deep, right? Which is, you know, great song. She's an excellent singer. Yeah. She did but the Bond always... theme song for one of the Bond movies, too. Right. Because yeah. she's British, so naturally. Yeah. But I always felt, William, that part of the reason why Adele was so popular was because of how big she was. And it was sort of like the people who got behind her and the industry got behind her because they were like, oh, look, anyone can be big. They don't have to be this sexy person. Did you ever get that feeling about her? Yeah, I, I yes. I mean, because she was always pretty, but she was obviously had some extra weight. I don't know. I it's I would contrast that with uh, what's the other artist? And I'm not going to get this story 100 percent right. So hopefully, you know, it, or someone can chime in on Discord. Uh, wasn't it Sia? She wrote a lot of songs that people know, but like she never really got any pop fame because she was perceived as being ugly. Now, she wasn't fat, but they just thought she was too ugly to be a pop star, right? Yeah, I don't know who that is. She sing, she she is the the singer-songwriter who wrote, like, the... What is the... That song Diamonds and, like, a couple other songs. I'd have to look it up to get all the details. But I, this is triggering that in my head of, like, oh, yeah. There's been, there's been other female singers who have been... Uh, uh, where that has not helped, Right. But I think in Adele's case, she had a pretty face. She had a great singing voice. And yeah, people saw that as uh, they sort of used it as a body positivity icon. Yeah. And now she's kind of gone against that narrative. And what I mean by that is she lost a whole lot of weight. And I don't know if you've seen her now recently, but Adele looks pretty good now, right? Yeah, she's looking good. I'm not saying, like, I'm into Adele or anything, but, like, hey, like, to see someone make that kind of a transformation in her life is awesome. And she's even, like, she's saying some really, you know, really important things and really wise things that you get when you go through the fitness experience, right? She did this interview with Oprah, and she talked to her about, like, she was going through a divorce, and then she started working out, and she realized how valuable it was for her and how it made her feel better to have something like that to do every day. And it, and it just increased her overall enjoyment of life. And that really is what you get out of it, regardless of what the physical uh, effects are. But if you're working out that much and controlling your diet, you will naturally lose weight if you're that big. Like, it's it's not going to not happen, right? It's definitely going to happen. And she did. She lost all that weight. And she even said now, like, someday she'll just go for a walk. You know, she may not be lifting as heavy as she was before, but she'll just go walk. But she still loves lifting weights but of course you know what that means william there's all this backlash against her now all this backlash against her because they say that she's hurting their feelings by people are saying william that she's hurting their feelings by losing weight is that not absolutely insane yeah that's that's crazy that is like the height of second-handedness isn't it yeah. oh well you know i liked you because oh a fat girl uh, was able to get famous. So that made me feel better about myself that it didn't matter if I was fat or not. But you learned the value of how it improves your own life. And because of that, I'm still mad about how it hurts my life that you you learn the value of that. Rather than thinking, oh, this is a hero I had and she got in shape. Maybe I'll use that as inspiration to get in shape. Yeah. I mean, it makes it sound like... Oh, sorry. It makes it sound like there's some sort of betrayal, Right. Right. And, right, and so these fans are betrayed by her bettering her life. And that, like, it's okay if you feel that emotion at first, but then you should examine, like, what are you really saying, right? Right. Like, what are you really, like, implying? And do you really believe that? Do you really believe that Adele being, making her life better is somehow detrimental to your life? And or I think, makes I think you people like that. her music or her, her uh, personality less? Well, right. I, th I think people believe that, which one shows how they were always just kind of using Adele, but they really believe this acceptance thing, right? This whole idea of, oh, you know, uh, if she's there, it makes it more acceptable for the rest of us, right? So they think that. And, and to Adele's credit, she had a really great response to that. She said, I was body positive then and I'm body positive now, yep. but it's not my job to validate how people feel about their bodies, I feel bad that it's made anyone feel horrible about themselves, but it's not my job. I'm trying to sort my own life out. And wow. that's exactly right. We, we could sit here. We could argue about body positivity and the connotation of that term. Right. But 
what she said is exactly the, I, I think that's a super healthy reaction, right? Like, wow, someone, someone that. not trying to make their fans codependent on them. This is amazing. Right. 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 And, and even showing the proper level of empathy, right? You know, yeah. I feel bad that you feel bad about this. I do. I legitimately feel bad about it. I mean, I feel bad that Adele's fans feel bad about this. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm just putting myself in their headspace and thinking, how unhappy are you with yourself that someone who you're a fan of gets in shape and you're like, oh, no, fuck you. Like, you're going to be in a pretty bad place mentally. And I feel bad that you're in that place. So she says that, but then she's like, you know what, though? I'm not going to make that my responsibility. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is my own life. And that's so refreshing to see, William, because how often do we see people who are famous who are like, oh, I represent all people like me? Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've always wanted somebody to be like, no, I represent me. I don't represent everyone else. What's the uh, what is lack of narcissism, right? Like this is this is this would be the poster for that, right? This is like, well, this hey, is yeah. what somebody would call being humble, but I just think it's being properly aligned with reality. Yeah, being in in uh, independent, right? A healthy yeah. independence. So hey, not big not big Adele fans here in the uh, in the midside, but I think we can applaud her for for being a good role model. For being a good role model, yeah, for taking absolutely. control of her life and, and her health and learning and improving, right? She could have learned and improved in anything, but especially the physical health. That's awesome. And then for not letting anyone else pull her down in regards to doing that and not making it about other people. And that's our next story, William. The next thing that I found while doing research for this episode. Oh, and I, I, I think this is going to be really interesting for you because you run a chain restaurant right so I do. There's, there's an article michigan restaurant worker throws coffee at woman during argument over order sparking lawsuit basically what happened is this customer got an argument with an employee and an employee threw coffee at her and the article explicitly says the coffee wasn't hot it was just kind of lukewarm and now this woman is suing over it and she's suing because uh, she's saying that the Tim Hortons Corporation, which allows this franchise and hundreds of franchises to poorly train, supervise, and employ their employees. And because she's saying there was a, a similar incident that occurred in 2015. And this, this blows my mind, William. It blows my mind because... I missed the one, part in the Tim Hortons training video that taught you to not throw coffee at people. Uh, so I think, I think they have a case, Justin, they didn't explicitly say don't throw coffee at people. Well, and that's my entire point. This goes with the whole COVID thing, right? Yeah. All the unintentional consequences. Look, if Tim Hortons, I'm going to be generous to Tim Hortons here, especially because they're Canadian, right? Cause it's not very polite to throw coffee at people. So I'm going to assume a Canadian company, if they could, would, would not hire people who would throw coffee, right? But human beings are not perfect. And I'm, I don't know who this person is or uh, the or this, this girl who threw coffee. I don't know anything about her. But let's just assume she's having a bad day and this customer got on her nerves. Does it defend what she did? No. Should she lose her job? Maybe. I don't know. That's a discussion with her and her manager. But to make the Tim Hortons company responsible for it? That seems super secondhanded to me. And it seems secondhanded that this woman is not looking at her own responsibility in the situation to get coffee thrown on her. How much do you need those tiny little donut holes? How badly do you <laughs> need it that you're willing to risk uh, angering an employee so much that they throw coffee at you? Oh, that's true. She wanted the little donut holes, right? Yep. And she went to Tim Hortons for it. Are there no Dunkin' Donuts? You can't get in Michigan? in Michigan? Yeah, you can. You can. There's they're they're not as rare as uh as the Dunkin' Donuts out here in California. I would I'd have to drive an hour just to meet Justin at Dunkin' Donuts. That's how uh yeah. that's how sparse they are. I remember when that. the first Dunkin' Donuts opened in Santa Monica near the the Patriots bar, the Boston bar, which yeah. could not have been a coincidence. That had to have been market <laughs> research. And then like that was like near the beginning of a Patriots season. And I was like, man, I'm going to go to Duncan before the game and I'm going to get some Duncan and then go watch the Pats game at 10 a.m. 
because you know Pats games on the East Coast are, are 1 p.m. You want to know how long the line was at that Duncan? I swear to God, every Patriots fan in <laughs> Santa Monica thought. was at that Duncan <laughs> that morning. They didn't go to the bar. They went to Duncan instead. But yeah, I mean, William, like, are you responsible for every action of every employee that you hire? I would hope to God not. Uh, I, I, I certainly am responsible for providing i would say like we're talking morally here right about i don't know all the ins and outs of every 50 state uh all 50 states here but um well legally though we would hope the laws line up with the morality right absolutely right uh you know i'm responsible for their training and then holding them accountable to meet the standards of that training right so if you know you know food safety is a good example of that right like we have food safety training not just like you know our local health code, but like just in general from the franchise. And so like if, if someone gets sick from something at our store and like it, it could be a supply issue, right? It could be contamination. Like there's all sorts of things that you, you would look at, but the first thing you would look at is like, well, how are they trained and are they following the procedures? That's, you know, that's the important thing. That's the part that if something were to happen, at a restaurant that the management would be responsible for. Right. Um, but I don't think, I don't think just customer service, like, uh, you know, like I I do a lot of training on customer service and, uh, like I I was jokingly saying, I, I, I don't remember seeing, you know, I'm sure there was no part of the video that instructed on how to throw coffee properly at a customer, but, uh, you know, we, we definitely train folks because, you know, it's a lot of, um, you know, college kids, right? Um, train folks on well, what to do when you're upset, right? Because you know, we all, everyone knows there's asshole customers out there, right? And of course, in California, we have to deal with the uh, uh, the homeless that have mental instability. Um, and so, you know, knowing, you know, making sure people are trained even in those situations, like, well, how to handle yourself, and then like. Also, our supervisors are trained, like, how to de-escalate because, again, especially with the homeless, the crazy homeless people, um, you have to kind of de-escalate the situation, right? Sometimes a homeless person might intimidate or push the buttons of, uh, you know, a new employee or something. And like, okay, well, here's, you know, here's what you do. You know, send them to the back, um, you know, get in between them, you know, kind of de-escalate the situation, right? All these strategies about that, you know. I don't know, Justin, well, that, like it's, that, it's hard that, to say that I would be like, I, I, I don't want, I, like I am responsible in some general way, but not if someone assaults it. Like if one of my employees assaults another employee or, or customer, I mean, they're gone. Right. Like that's not like if I were to keep them, that would be a problem. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I mean, this is the thing where it's sort of, um, at a certain point, we have to assume other people are going to act on principles. And I think that's sort of that this is the COVID comparison I was making earlier. It's the idea that we're not possibly we're not able to act on principles because everything we do is out of our control. It's it's a form of like soft determinism, right? Even with the COVID stuff, when we have this. Remember back in the day, it was implicit bias. We're acting off of our implicit bias. Oh, that's still What's around. Sort of, it's just it's just bubbled bubbled under the surface for now. Oh, well, it's not. It's now it's, you know, white supremacy, systemic racism. It's just in a different form, right? We just say it differently. But that's the whole point here is, you know, the companies can't assume these people are going to act the way they're supposed to and act based yeah. on principles where if you teach them a principle of good customer service, they're going to go, oh, well, then good customer service is not throwing coffee in someone's face, right? You have to teach them explicitly everything to do. Otherwise, you are enabling bad behavior. Do you see the logic there? Yeah. Would a reasonable person consider throwing a coffee at someone to be a valid thing to do as a, as a Tim Hortons employee? I don't think so. Well, right. And that's, that's part of like teaching them the context of a Tim Hortons employee. Right. right. Cause I, I get the feeling of wanting to throw coffee at someone. And even as myself, I would go, well, is this good for myself to do it? But then to go the extra level of I now work for a company, is it good right now as a company, right? 
It's the same thing with kids who fight at school, right? I don't understand the concept of fighting at school, right? I understand the concept of going, hey, meet me, you know, in the park at 5 p.m. and fighting. But why are you going to do it at school? There's no part of you that's like, can I just wait five minutes? Can I just wait five minutes? Can I wait two hours? I got to do it right now. No, I want those donut holes now. (laughs) Exactly. There's an emotionalism here. There's a narcissism here, right? That's built into all of this. Built into all of this. It does remind me, though, of a time. um, I worked at Walmart way back in the day in my early 20s. And first of all, I don't remember ever getting the level of training you just explained with de-escalation. So do you want to know what my de-escalation technique was one time? Uh, no, it's probably not throwing coffee. No, it is throwing, though. Um, it's throwing someone out of the store. So I was working self-checkout at the time. And, I, and uh, at the time, there was like one register in the front. You watched everyone. And some guy started arguing with me. And like, he just wouldn't shut up. And he kept arguing with me. And I was like, just get out of the store. And he's like, what? I said, leave the store now. And then the manager came over wow. to me and was like, you did a good job. I was like, what are you talking about? You, you, you de-escalated the situation. I was like, I just threw him out because I didn't want to get in a fight with him. They're like, yeah, that was the right thing to do. I go, I'm allowed to do that? I'm an employee here. I can just throw <laughs> someone out? They're like, yeah, if they're threatening someone or they're threatening you, you could throw them out. And I just thought that was so cool because my thought was just get this person away from me. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess I've always been cool since the... Uh, this is my early 20s. But then again, what do I know, William, about like young white men like standing up for themselves nowadays, right? Because apparently that's all white supremacy. Now, I say that facetiously because I'm going to be honest. I didn't really pay attention to the uh, Rittenhouse trial. I okay. Look, I'm barely on social media anymore. I know that when I signed on, there were a lot of people very angry about the verdict. But then there are also other people who... um found it to be very important and they they say it was an obvious case of self-defense yeah now i'm not really interested in you know retrying the trial right now because first of all we're not in a court we're not lawyers what i am interesting in is is why is this so important why are we talking about this so much and one of the midsiders you know trailer takedown dan uh he posted in the in the discord he said Rittenhouse acquitted on all charges. I've been following this case super closely, and it was a relief to see this verdict. And I, I, I legitimately asked him, asked him, I was just, I wanted to know. I wanted to know, so I asked him very earnestly, what made you follow it so closely? Because I, William, I don't know about you, but I didn't care at all. Did you care about this trial at all? Yeah, I kept an eye on it. I definitely did. Okay, so let's see if what, Trailer Takedown Dan said lines up with why you kept an eye on it. He said, I'm not entirely sure. I think it was how catastrophically wrong so much of the reporting was, even about the basic facts. And, uh, you know, I'm going to keep reading more. But when he says that, the first thing I think of is Deflategate. And maybe it's just because I've been through this before. Right. Like, I, I know most of what's in the media is not reported correctly. It's reported with a bias. So maybe that's why. And as someone recently more interested in self-defense, I wanted to understand how the law worked better. From the reporting, you would have thought that Rittenhouse stood on a rooftop and picked off random people holding a quiet candlelight vigil. In actuality, in all of the cases, he was less than a second from being killed. And then uh, Midsider Ed Joe said something else. He said, I followed it rather closely for similar reasons. I happened to see the videos right after the incident. It looked pretty clearly like straight-up self-defense. The contrast between what was being said about it and what was clearly on video was astounding. During the trial, it only got worse as the prosecution crossed several lines that could have led to a mistrial, and all the media and just about everyone I know on social media could talk about was the judge making innocuous jokes and Kyle, quote-unquote, faking his trauma. And that's, that's the thing to me, William, that blows my mind, is I do know the basic facts of the case, and I know it was a white guy who shot... Two other white people who yeah. have a criminal record, and somehow this is about white supremacy. So I see what they're saying, and I have a lot of sympathy for what they're saying, but that also makes me go, why is this case one that I want to pay attention to? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think 
for me, looking back when this all happened, right, there was there we've all, you know, we've talked about how in certain ways there's certain parts of the culture that are deteriorating and the right to self-defense is an important one to me. <clears throat> and I think that's why I was looking at this. And I think it got a little bit into the, uh, agree a hundred percent with Turo Takedown Dan. There was also this aspect of like, we saw the video, like you think back to the, uh, uh, what was it? The, uh, the kids in DC, right. Um, with the, uh, beating the drum and they were apparently, uh, oppressing the, uh, uh, the native American, right. Um, and the salmon, that's the case I think of. The salmon case where, like, the video we saw at first was completely doctored, right? This case was different because it's like, even on that night, maybe not on mainstream media, but the videos that were available, there were people live streaming the events and things like this. People people had sequenced it all together, you know, um, and and it looked pretty clear cut. And, but then the narratives that came out of it, like the white supremacy one, of course, but there were just tons of other ones too, like Justin. People are going crazy right now, saying, "Oh, uh, there, there's a tragic event that happened uh, uh, yesterday as we're rec- recording it. Um, someone driving through a parade, right? And uh, we won't get into the details of that. But the Was important that part the here snowplow? is <laughs> no. Uh, and people were like, "Oh, he'll just claim self-defense," or. What, do people think that, you know, you can kill someone to protect your property? And it's like, well, yeah, but also, he was protecting his life. And then the other thing is, too, uh, you know, th- it's not unheard of. Like, in, I think in, uh, someone was pointing out, like, in, in, in the Soviet Union, uh, let's say uh, someone come at you, came at you with a knife. You have to wait, you, you'd have to legally wait until they stabbed you before you could stab them back and claim self-defense. And these people, these people don't understand what self-defense is or, like, what we mean by your right to life. And and the media obviously didn't help, right? Like, this was all just a whipped-up circus because it's something, you know, sensational, and it fits that narrative of white supremacy. Or they can make it fit that. It doesn't actually fit it, right? Like, but they can make How it How do they it. make it fit? Can you explain that to me? Because uh, he's white. They, I mean, they just outright, like... like I don't think you can do it because he's sort of become a public figure, but I think there's definite like slander and libel, like things that could be pursued by the news agencies, right? Like they, they, well, they try to well, make that's... him, bang him up as like a proud boy, uh, as like, uh, that he, you know, took a gun across state lines for the purposes of shooting people, uh, just pretended like, State lines were like hours away when it was like a twenty-minute drive. Uh, I, I know, I I know, uh, I live in a, in a California now, right? And it, it would take me many, many hours to get to another state. But when you li- live uh, in the Midwest or the uh, certain parts of the Midwest or uh, on the East Coast, uh, states aren't that far away. Hell, when I was driving, at, when I would go see my friend up in Pennsylvania, you dot, uh, uh, dart in and out of Maryland and Pennsylvania several times, and you wouldn't even know. Well, yeah, and and everything you're saying to me is an open question about our new social media age we live in, right? It's an open question about what do we pay attention to? And look, I get I get on a very visceral, immediate level. This is about life, which is you know the most basic value, and yeah. you, your right to protect your own life. I get that, but just because there are nuts people online saying stuff about it means that we should pay attention to it. Now I understand it's risen beyond that, right? I saw that yeah. there were a bunch of celebrities tweeting all the same things and everything. And, but that goes to your point about is, can he have a defamation case? So because a lot of people talk about you online and the media decides to talk about you more and more, you raise to the level of a public figure. I mean, isn't there yeah, something to I be said about non literal doxing? And what I mean by that is, haven't they essentially created him as a public figure? Yeah, they have. So he did something at his, you know, I guess it's in a public space, right? But he did something, he wasn't entertaining, right? He wasn't going there to put on a gun show, right? He wasn't 
doing another gun show, participating in a bodybuilding competition, right? He, he wasn't doing anything that was intended for public consumption, but then they've just ripped this person from the private sphere and put him into the public sphere yeah, because they've decided they want to make an example of him and use it as a way to draw ratings, essentially. I think it's it, a little more nefarious, and maybe uh, maybe uh, this is a little black pilled even for me. I think it was oh, th- this is this was a this was a way to, of course, hit all those race buttons and those the victimology, and it's all tied up with BLM. But it's also a Second Amendment. They 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 they, they quickly morphed it into a Second Amendment thing, right? Because of course he has a scary looking AR fifteen. Is the oh, I don't uh, think that's black pilled at all. I mean, I think that's the reality yeah. of the situation. Yeah. And so, so it also became about that, right? Like, how right. dare he take an assault rifle across state lines? It's like, first right. of all, not an assault rifle. Second of all, that doesn't matter. I mean, yes, of course, there's local laws in each state, so you got to pay attention to you know, how to do it. He was open carrying. He was handling the weapon safely the entire time it's on video. Uh, right. it, but if they can link gun control to white supremacy, well, then they there think you they go. have an argument, right? Exactly. I mean... I'm surprised they haven't linked gun control to COVID yet. Uh, actually, it's funny you say that. Tim Pool on Twitter this weekend has been making jokes about how since, you know, uh, for example, in California, it's required to, you know, show your vaccine papers to go into restaurants and bars, which very few actually require. But like, hey, they're supposed to. Um, uh, uh, he's been uh, jokingly saying that everyone should be issued a firearm because firearms uh, for self-defense save lives. So, uh, you know. You shouldn't be allowed to go into any store or business or restaurant without, uh, you know, without your concealed carry. Right, but I'm surprised they haven't done the opposite. Right, so good yeah, for Tim yeah. Pool getting ahead of that argument. He's going to have it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know, dude. Like, I just feel like we always get whipped up over these different things, and all we're doing is we're playing into people trying to make things more than they are. Right, like I get it. If this there was really a watershed case. But is this a watershed case? We're not talking about Brown versus the Board of Education here, right? We're not talking about Roe v. Wade. Like, is this really that notable in the history of the world? I just don't know. I don't think I don't think it's I think it became because of the media's attention, it became something. And yeah, I don't think I don't think people are going to remember. I mean, people. I mean, certainly his life is not going to be the same. But I don't think people are going to uh, necessarily remember all the details of this case going forward. Right? This is no Brown. You're right. This is no Brown versus Board of Education. At the same time, though, this is what the culture war is about: is about generating these kinds of outrage mobs and then pointing them at people. And and Justin, it didn't happen this time. But one of the times, it's going to break, right? It's not, justice will not be served, right? The mob will uh, get what it wanted, right? What I want to hear is it wanted him, you know, probably to fucking have the death penalty or something, right? Right. Um, And unfortunately, there are people going the other way with it afterwards saying, oh, Oh, well, I can just shoot anyone I feel threatened by or say I feel threatened by, right? And that's that's the greater concern when we already have this uh, ethos of punch a Nazi, Oh right. yeah, oh, yeah. Now, they're they're half right, right, Nazi, when they say right? that, right? They're 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 uh, half right when they say that, uh, because you know, since uh, since words are violence, then in their twisted uh, uh, morality, uh, if you know, I say gamer words or uh, or uh, I don't know, uh, say uh, you know, uh, you know, sex uh, does not equal gender, then. Uh, th- yeah, they should be able to use deadly force against me, right, Justin? In self defense, because I've I've hurt well, right. them. I, I'm sustain. I'm I'm oppressing them. I'm 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 literally killing them, right? Well, right. I think it was even worse than that. Like, even if you express interest in different things, I mean, look at the way we saw them try to say like Zack Snyder is a fascist, right? Like, oh, how many things yeah. artistically have they tried to link with that kind of an idea so they could even be like, oh, well, why don't we just preemptively go into uh, this concert of this certain band and just kill all those people there because if you listen to Five Finger Death Punch, what does that say about you? I mean, this is the irony, right, of Captain America Winter Soldier and why I saw that movie as such a turning point in, in Marvel and why I knew where everything was going after that. 
because this is the logic of the preemptive strike. And that movie made it seem like, oh, the right wing Nazis are the ones who are going to use the technology to try and anticipate crime and eliminate the people beforehand. But that has always been shown to be a tactic of the far left. And that is bearing out now. It's bearing out with COVID, right? Well, you've seen what's going on now with uh, William. Is that social media overreacting or are there camps in Australia now? Uh, a little of both. It is social media overreacting and there are camps. Right. So we see all this stuff going on and. Well, well hold on. There are things we don't see going on, though, too. Right. Because there are right. wild protests uh, yes. in uh, Austria, not Australia, Austria and other EU countries because they're going they're they're locking down again. And they're saying, yeah. uh, you dirty, filthy, disgusting, unvaccinated people. Uh, you're not allowed to you're allowed to come work at the restaurant and wear your mask. But then uh, you're not allowed to, to after your shift actually eat in that restaurant because you're filthy and dirty and unclean. I think we've seen yeah. this in Europe before, Justin. What do you think? No, 100 percent. And that's the point I'm trying to make about all of this. Right. Is just just be careful about what you're consuming or what you're paying attention to all day, because even with the flight gate, when I got so mad about everything, I was only consuming the parts of it that I knew were worthwhile. Right. I was re- I was literally reading the legal briefs. I was reading all the information that all the different parties released. I wasn't reading all the coverage and everything. Yeah. And I think that's the the problem, the mistake that people fall into is with all of this COVID, the Rittenhouse trial. It's all about what the media is saying about it, not what's actually going on. Yeah. And I think that that I think if anything, the, the lesson, the takeaway from the whole Rittenhouse situation was that the media is just entertainment. The media, right? Like I'm putting that in scare quotes. Yes. They are just entertainment. They're there to vie for your attention. And once you flip that around and realize, oh, well, my attention, I want to put it into things that actually connect to my values, then yeah, you turn on a, on a like, uh, there were YouTubers who were streaming the trial and then would do summaries. And like lawyers, right? Like Rakita Law did a really good one. Um, uh, Barnes and... Um, Viva La Fry and like others like these are, you know, people who actually understand the law and can actually give you insight and can read the briefs and like tell you, OK, well, this is what this means. And like if you want to get to the truth, that's the way to do it. And um, yeah, who needs the media? What we need 100%. are journalists, not. Well, and, and that's the thing is. Maybe they were back in the day journalists. Yeah, we can definitely say without speculating about the past the media is no longer about journalism and the truth, and there are other means of finding it. So you need to take responsibility for your life and for what goes into your head by saying, I have these tools at my disposal. I'm either going to actively use them or I'm just going to actively ignore all of it on purpose so I can do other things. Yep. That's a choice you have to make. But to continue to engage with the media nowadays, that's just willfully harming yourself. And I mean that seriously. And I say that, and you know what we're going to do next? We're going to talk about some art, which is technically part of the media, isn't it, William? I wouldn't call it, quote-unquote, the media, but yeah, it is part of the media. All right, I'm a hypocrite, whatever. Play the music. Put me into syndication Broadcast to a network station Of people viewing their favorite episodes I can't find a new As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. As you just saw in the previous or heard, sorry, it's audio, not video. As you just heard in the previous segment, excuse me, had a little problem with my voice there. We we are engaged. We're engaged. We're reading what you're saying. We're sharing it on the show. So if you go to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode. And then inside that episode, there's a link that you can click to join our discord. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, you know, we're going to do some trailers. We got people who share their thoughts on the trailers every week. Uh, and people who share their reviews of movies. So go ahead, join the Discord. 
The movie I want to review this week is a movie I've been waiting for for a long time, Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's the third movie in the Ghostbusters series. Yes, I said that. It's the third movie in the Ghostbusters series because continuity-wise, it picks up after Ghostbusters 1 and 2, but it does not acknowledge at all the female Ghostbusters movie from however many years ago. I don't remember when that was. But it's tough for me to review this movie without giving away spoilers. You know the basic tra- uh, premise if you have gone to, or sorry, if you've seen the trailers. You know there's a family from the city who goes and lives in a small town. The small town is in Oklahoma. And there's they Walker's start discovering. And pregnant. Right. And they start discovering uh, old Ghostbusters stuff there. Right. I, I really struggle to say anything else because it will spoil it. It will spoil what it's about. It will spoil how it's done. But all I will say is this. This movie balances perfectly nostalgia with creating new and also telling a story that's worth telling. The original Ghostbusters is such a masterpiece because not only is it creative, right? It's comedy, it's horror, but it also, I think, William, it encapsulates the 80s. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. Yeah, a very benevolent version of the 80s. Correct. A very benevolent version of the 80s. This is what's great about the 80s. And one of the worries, right, and this was the worry when Man of Steel came out, right? How do we have truth, justice in the American way in 2013? Right. Remember, I voiced that and I said, how is that going to be done? Now, the phrase is never used, but the idea that, you know, the S stands for the fundamental belief that every person can be a force for good. Well, that's the American way right there. Right. So the American way is in there. And it's the same thing here. It's just more explicit. This movie, it continues the legacy of Ghostbusters, both pragmatically and philosophically. That that is the best thing I can say about this movie. Look, there's even similarities between this and Die Hard, where there's a discussion of what Americanism is. There's a discussion of what Americanism is. And I think if you connect the dots... You can see that this is done very intentionally by director Jason Reitman. And again, I don't want to spoil it because I want you to go in and have that experience for yourself. But this is one of the the cases where I hope that I have earned enough cachet with you as a movie reviewer that if you're listening to this right now, you you take seriously what I say. You take seriously what I say that this is a worthy successor of the first two Ghostbuster movies. And it's a movie worth seeing, worth seeing because the catharsis it provides is great. The spectacle, it's the spectacle of the Ghostbusters and it's well, it's well directed, right? I I think the, uh, the makeup of the bad guy when the bad guy is finally revealed isn't too great. I don't think it looks as good as the original Ghostbusters, but that's like a minor knock on it. And I would seriously say that I would put this as the third best movie of the year. So I give this oh, wow. a so romantic movie, and I would say it. I would put it third behind Zack Snyder's Justice League and Free Guy, and I would slot it probably just above uh, Last Night in Soho, just above. But I actually, you can trace some similarities between Last Night in Soho and Ghostbusters Afterlife. That would be a fun discussion. That would be a fun discussion, but... I think you should see this movie. I'd love to hear what people think about it. Uh, I had a great conversation with uh, Midsider Lucid after he saw it, and he started connecting those dots, and I was like, good, I'm not the only one who sees this. So I highly recommend it, Ghostbusters Afterlife. That gets a so romantic rating. All right, now that we talked about a movie that came out, we're going to talk about movies or shows that are coming out in Trailer Takedown. Uh, I got the trailers out a little bit late. I put them up on Discord Sunday night, but I usually try to put them up on Saturday so you can you know, watch them when you want. You can watch them before an episode and give your opinion like uh, uh, like Midsiders do. Midsider Cody likes doing that, like reading his reviews. Uh, somebody actually just gave a... Uh, a c- All right, somebody gave a comment in the chat because uh, Midsider GS... 
uh, in the Discord right now just replied because there was a trailer he tackled very, very hard. And uh, I asked him why, and he gave an explanation. And I'm going to read that explanation in uh, in a second because I think it's excellent uh, when we get to the trailer. But yeah, you can watch the trailers, comment on it. You can see the conversation going on right now. And you can do it during the episode. Watch a trailer, we talk about it. Watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock, is... It's not even really a trailer. It's just sort of a, the a intro. new opening. It's the yeah. new intro for the new show, which, honestly, William, if I hadn't watched the original show so much when I was a kid, this would have been indistinguishable. I mean, this looks like literally they're just making more episodes of Fraggle Rock, which is kind of weird because if you remember, the last episode was uh, Doc moving out with his dog and the Fraggles kind of moving on from their cave. So I don't know how they're going to like continue the story or if they're just going to ignore that. But beyond that super nerdy point, I don't know. The Fraggles were actually kind of communist and they were kind of dicks. Like, do you ever notice like they're the doozers who they were always building and there were these engineers who were just trying to create what they wanted. And the Fraggles were just like, oh, this tastes good. I'm going to eat it just because they were bigger than them. But then yeah. they were afraid of the, the I can't remember what they were called outside, but the big people outside. And it was just like they sort of never addressed any of that or I don't remember it. It's very, very strange. So I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this, but Fraggles were cool. And it was just the puppetry's cool and they were entertaining when I was a kid. I don't know as, as an adult I would watch this, but maybe this is something if you have children, you would watch it with. But for me, not for anything that this looks bad or not. It's just, I don't know. I just think this isn't for me anymore. Tackle. Tackle. There you go. That's a good tackle sound effect. Well, there we go. Uh, 100% agree with you. This uh, definitely hit my nostalgia uh, uh, detector. Um, it it looks like it's done well, and I, I'm kind of glad that Apple TV is making these, you know, more kids oriented shows that are outside of the uh, PBS uh, sort of uh, Sesame Street sort of bundle, right? Like, there's a lot of different shows, a lot of a lot of options for kids, but not really for me. Uh, maybe I'll watch an episode just for nostalgia's sake. So I'll give it a very Light, very light hug, because I don't want to have to choose later. Hug, William. Um, I might be interested to see, like, maybe watch the first episode to see how they get the story back, and like, is yeah. Uncle Traveling Matt in it or anything? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Second trailer. Don't look up is a Netflix movie starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and Jonah Hill, in which. DiCaprio and Lawrence are two scientists who see that an asteroid is coming for Earth and nobody believes them and everyone just mocks them and makes fun of them. Now, I will say this. It's by Adam McKay, who did things like The Big Short and Step Brothers. And pretty generally, I don't like his humor. And I will admit that there were a couple things that I did find funny in this trailer. And on its face, this seems like a good Good premise, right? This seems like a good premise. But what Midsider GS says in a second is going to sort of reveal the twisted nature of it. It seems like a good premise because, William, how much do we talk about on this show that's sort of like this is the reality, but people would mock us for or ignore us for? So this idea that like, oh, you have the truth, but people want to ignore you is a valid thing in today's society. But the problem is the people who think it's on their side. So if you look at what Midsider GS is saying, I think it's it, it's it's pretty smart. He says, it's clearly a climate change allegory. Although I say he says, I shouldn't assume it's gender. I have no idea what gender GS is. But it's clearly a climate change allegory and paints the picture of a world where the biggest issue is that people don't listen enough to experts, don't listen to the science, and aren't fearful enough. I mean, that's COVID, is it not, William? So yeah. even not climate change, you could say it's COVID as well. This is crazy gaslighting and show how delusional Hollywood hysterics have become. It is the inverse of reality, which is that the media is exclusively fear porn and would gladly trumpet a world destroying media forever. Politicians are the same. 
The version of this movie that should be made is one where a group of experts fear monger about a threat that turns out to have never existed or been massively exaggerated, but after trillions of dollars and millions of lives have been destroyed. I'm going to assume that that last comment by GS is facetious because that's the reality of COVID, is it not? Yeah, or environmentalism in general. Right, but I think COVID, I mean, I'm going to say that again. The version of this movie that should be made is one where a group of experts fear, and he put experts in scare quotes, monger about a threat that turns out to have never existed or been massively exaggerated, but only after trillions of dollars and millions of lives have been destroyed. That is COVID, is it not? I think so. So the, the irony here is, you know, it's what he's saying about the Hollywood hysterics and the fear mongers. They're the ones who think they have reality on their side, but they don't. So the joke of this movie only works the long form joke, right? You could have little mini punchlines like they had in the trailer that were funny, but the long form joke of this trailer only works if you're on their side and agree with them that they're smarter and everyone else is stupid. So I have to agree with GS here. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, this, I, 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 we all know this about me. Too high of a bar, too picky when it comes to comedies. I admit that. No laughing at all during this. Uh, I, I'm, I didn't see through all the way to the point that uh, GS was making, but I certainly felt this as like, oh, this is just going to be, you know, uh, it's basically a Pollyanna, Pollyanna-ish story, and uh, if that's going to be what the joke is, like you said, the overall joke of the movie, uh, then no way, no way. I mean, well, it's William. got some great talent in it, right? And and yeah. and that like maybe there's something salvageable there, but it's just not. It doesn't. It doesn't look like it's going to really have a theme that's going to be worthwhile. At least for me. Yeah, and 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 GS just joined the the show and is listening right now as we're talking about this, but um. I agree with you that I don't think it went that far in the trailer, but I don't think he's wrong. And the reason I don't think he's wrong is it's Adam McKay. And like I said, he did the big short, right? And he did Step Brothers. So he's done movies that have this sort of perspective already. So I don't think it's, it's, it's hard to jump to that conclusion that, and I don't, I don't, I, again, I don't think it's jumping to a conclusion. I think it's a valid inference. Yep. Tackle. Final trailer. No, there's two more trailers. That's wrong. Oh, wait. Stand by. Third trailer. There we go. There we go. Encounter is an Amazon original sci-fi movie. But this movie gave me... This movie gave me signs vibes. And what I mean by that is it's a scientist who discovers something about like this virus or aliens. I assume it's aliens who are infecting people and he goes to get his family to safety. So it gave me signs vibes because what I really like about signs is it's the story that could be like war of the worlds, but it's told through one family's perspective. And I really like the way this trailer was done as well. You look at the first 20, 30 seconds. You're like, this isn't interesting. But once you realize this guy is fighting for, his family and to protect what matters to him in the face of this threat. That's an interesting story to me to see what happens and if he can get out and if he can save his family, it's the opposite of the apocalypse. we've seen before. We take, we t- we're taking this story that could be about the apocalypse and it's about this man and his family. And you know what? That's something I'm interested in seeing. Uh, hopefully I can get into theaters uh, to see it, I, it says December 3rd. I don't know if it's going to be that one weekend. I don't know if it's going to be wide release. If not, uh, I'll go out of my way to see this on Amazon Prime. So this is, for me, this is sci-fi. This is sci-fi I want to see. It's a hug. Hug. Wow. Uh, I think we're going to disagree on this one. I could not, and maybe I, maybe I just need to rewatch the trailer. I could not get rid of the vibe that this is all in this dude's head and that this is just uh gonna be you know crazy person kidnapping his kids people chasing him that's it for some reason in my head that's how all the scenes integrated together for me i could see how you would say that but they made a point of showing that shot of the guy's eye with like the bugs in it and everything 
So, but yeah, the, the shot of him with all the bugs in his arms and everything, I could see how you would think that. Yeah. So I am weirdly skeptical about this. So uh, I, of course, it's sci-fi. So you know I'm going to give it a chance. So I'm going to hug it, but it's uh, it's going to be a way lighter hug than uh, than you would uh, expect. Hug. Final trailer. There we go. You got it right this time. Nightmare Alley is Guillermo del Toro's latest movie. It stars Bradley Cooper as a medium. And people doubt that he's a medium. Uh, Here's the thing about this movie, right? It looks like it's beautiful. You cannot deny that this is very well shot. It looks like the acting's great. I just have no idea what the fuck this movie is about. It looks like at the end of the trailer it says it's based on a book, so maybe it has somewhat of a story. But after knowing that Guillermo del Toro did The Shape of Water, and, you know, after seeing, um... What was the giant robot movie, William? Pacific Rim? Pacific Rim, yeah. Which didn't have much depth to it. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of his Hellboy movie. He can be very hit or miss for me. So I need to see more to know if I would see this going forward. But this, as now in this trailer, has all the makings of something that could be amazing and really enjoyable to watch. It's just, I don't know what the hell else is going on in this movie. Like, I don't want to watch a movie that for two hours is people doubting that Bradley Cooper is a medium. Like, I I want more to it. But, like, my dad's review of Shape of Water is in my head, where it's like, you know, he wanted to see what the point of the movie was, but it looked like a woman being in love with a fish, and then it was just a woman being in love with a fish. Like, I don't want the same thing for this movie. So I need to see more. But I'm going to tentatively hug this. Netflix and hug. Uh, this one is hard because I'm interested in the... I liked the setting. It looked beautiful. The characters seemed interesting. But just like you were describing... I don't know where the conflict really is, and maybe that's part of, you know, maybe that's a spoiler for the uh, for the movie. But is it this guy manipulating people and that catching up to him, or is there something more nefarious with this? I don't know, creepy therapist lady. Like there was no. Usually in a preview, we'll get some sort of hint at the theme or the inciting incident or something like that, right? And there's just nothing here. Right, like there's just. Well, that's like, why I'm comparing it to here's the shape this of water, mood. right? Yeah, here's this mood. Right. Do you like this mood? Come see this movie, right? Right. And and look, that's certainly a conflict. People don't believe he's a medium, or they don't trust him, right? That's a conflict. Yeah. Is that an interesting conflict to carry a two-hour movie? Not no. for me. And that's the same thing with a woman being in love with a fish. Like that's certainly a conflict. And there was a mood there that could, you know, that wasn't a movie. But is that a movie for me? No. Yeah. So uh, I, though, will probably not end up seeing this unless you come back with a good review. So that is a tackle. Tackle. Well, to be clear, unless I see more from this movie, I'm not going to see it. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird because, like, as much as I've seen how terrible Spider-Man looks, No Way Home, I'll probably see it. So don't (laughs) listen to me all the time. I just honestly, like, I just want to see Tobey Maguire Spider-Man again. You know what I mean? All right, what did we learn this trip, William? I learned that there are people on the internet that uh, try to equate people not taking a vaccine shot with uh, Rittenhouse and white supremacy. Justin, what did you learn this trip? I learned that if you hire me and then I commit self-harm, I can sue you for not stopping me from harming myself because you are responsible for my actions. What if I do that in my own store? Do I get to sue myself and generate <laughs> infinite money? You you can sue your your company that you work at. That's corporations I, are people. <laughs> All, right. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And like I always say, that if it wasn't for you, it would just be me talking into a, the corner of a closet and like a crazy person. I mean, it's still that, but like I feel a little less crazy. 
Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to midside.com slash store, the midside.com slash the cut by my novel, the midside.com slash Patreon or locals and, uh, give us money. Cause you know, we like money and money is good and we use it to pay off people who we throw coffee at and burn. Uh, that's how we keep the lights on. And of course, the number one way you can grow the show is to tell a friend, tell a friend. People have told some great friends. We had some great conversation this week. Let's keep that train rolling. Let's keep that ball rolling and grow the midside even more. Cross, cross lines of the inside and the outside and come to the midside. We don't care what you carry into our, our midside, right? Carry whatever you want in your midside. Just don't intentionally hurt us. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Nemlesnesky reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a donut hole free day. For the life of Wouldn't me, I couldn't remember what hole. Tim Hortons called the donut holes. That's what I was trying to use as the joke at the end. Well, I was going to say about that. Wouldn't a donut hole free day just be a donut day? Because That's donut true. holes <laughs> already true. don't have the middle part. So this couldn't you just have a donut the closing day? jokes instead of just, you know, me making them up on the fly. Well, it's it's tough because you have to adapt when you write those things, right? It has to be responsive yep. to the episode. So It does. And who knows what you're going to say. I, I don't know what I'm going to say, even after I've said it. I was like, did I really just say that? Really? <laughs>